if you want to make a high-end anterior direct restoration. Of course, you need a really good composite like the ones from GC. You probably want to have a silicon key and a wax up. And once you have the wax up, you can kind of argue why not making the injection molding technique with a clear silicon index made out of ExaClear and just do this injection molding technique. I'll talk about that topic with Serhat and Kostas, who are also having an online lecture about this topic at the GC November Symposium. I hope you like the discussion. Welcome to today's show. I'm connected to Serhat Kürken and Kostas. Guys, I'm really glad that you both are here online with me. How are you guys? Thank you. I'm fine. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the invite. You two are having a lecture together for the GC November Symposium. It's a really interesting topic because, Costas, you are kind of known for direct composites. And, Costas, uh, you are known for injection molding. And you're going to talk about this topic. Will you like each other after the lecture? Or <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Actually, we don't know what's going to happen at the end of this, but we're going to almost fight but in a good dental way, in a, in a civilized way. So I'm going to be on my corner. And Serhat, what do you think? I think they will enjoy. We, we plan something different. It will be a really interesting conversation. But Kostas, one question. Are you don't doing any direct composites in the anteriors anymore, just injection molding? I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're asking me this because I'm giving a workshop, a lecture tomorrow for GC UK on injection molding and I just updated my presentation and at the disadvantages, at the limitations, I wrote down de-skilling. I, I messaged Serhat two days ago that you lose your skills a little bit because um, I had to do something freehand. And okay, I've got my very good flat plastics and my beautiful kind of accords and essentials. And I had to really think. It wasn't just natural. So do everything in moderation, <laughs> including injection molding, because freehand is the king and will always be the king. So I've been doing it a lot the injection molding and i have to be a little bit careful because you need to have the excellent freehand skills so i have to do a bit of 50 50 from now on yes i agree Serhat, you also tried out the injection molding. I mean, there's this really educational video you produced mm -hmm. with ExaClear. Basically, if someone asks me how does ExaClear work, I just show him this video and that's it. At that time, I tried to take a video several times. I failed maybe more than 15. Um, maybe, I think Kostas knows this is not that easy. They think that, oh, it's really simple. Just You get the impression with the exaclear, and then you just inject the composite. However, it is that difficult, like taking impression with an exaclear sometimes is a disaster that you lose your time, material, and you go back and restart taking the impression. And that video was amazing because by chance, I don't know, we made something 
really interesting. And it was viewed uh, on Facebook more than 828,000 828, times on Zeradonto. So yes, people think that I'm doing injection molding so often. However, it's not true. <laughs> I'm doing mostly directs, as you say. I already kind of had a small workshop with you at the IDS 2017, I think. You're like a master with the brush. Uh, Costas mentioned that he's using flat plastics. So, but uh, the brushes with the modeling liquid are basically changed my co direct composite world when I start using them. I think in 2015, probably. I think in 2015, uh, Stefan Brownett posted a video before the IDS, how he used the brush uh, on a video and everybody in the internet on Facebook was going crazy. Really, I need this brush and we need to buy it. <laughs> and it's still a great brush. Have you ever found an alternative to this brush, Serhat? Unfortunately, table brush is unique material when I'm doing layering, when I'm doing freehand. I, I couldn't find any alternative. As you mentioned that, Costas is using plastic rubber or rubber rubber tip instruments. The modeling liquid. No, I, I didn't try anything. Next, I think the best material for this layering technique is sable brush uh, with the modeling liquid. I didn't try any other material. Have you ever used the brush, Costas? I have. It, actually, I do run the the, the phantom heads course for the training specialists in at King's London, King's College London, where I teach. And I'm responsible for, for teaching off the freehand and the injection molding. So we have the full support of GC with the modeling liquids and the brushes. The, the brushes are amazing. I mean, uh, they're s small enough to, to be rigid, but they get into places. They're not very flexible. They're just right. I mean, uh, okay, then my nurse kind of uh, loses them because she thinks they're just rubbish. So I'm like, oh, what do you do with them? But yeah, the modeling liquid is actually changed the game because uh, it, it makes things to sculpt exactly as you want to sculpt them. There is no element of stickiness. And even if you use kind of metal instruments, or titanium instruments or whatever, that, that modeling liquid is great. Actually, the modeling liquid, I use it for injection molding too. Uh, really? <laughs> since, since you asked me about the modeling liquid, very briefly, when, when I put my Teflon tapes on the alternate teeth and uh, I have to protect them from uh, etching gel and G Premio Bond, the, the, the Teflon tape, sometimes it goes away. Or if the suction comes, it will pull it away. And if you just wet it, it's not enough. So I just paint a little bit of modeling liquid on the Teflon, which has enough weight and enough surface tension to just make it stick on the tooth. So I always get my modeling liquid out, even for injection molding. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm um, kind of is a small joke. But yes, it's the freehand will always be kind of the, the king. And yeah, I do like the, the brushes, but for the proximal areas, still using some very fine metal flat plastics. But that's just the way I 
learned freehand from my mentor in, in Geneva. But when we talk about freehand, we might have to talk about also that sometimes we, of course, have a Pelotonist stand we're using, that sometimes we even might have a wax up that we're using. I mean, said, are there any cases where you build it really from the ground up freehand without any stands? Or, or which times are using a Pelotonist stand for sure? You mean the types of stands that I'm using for directs? I'm using putty, just putty without the light body that works fine but you need to be careful while you are taking the impression if you are experienced with that material and you don't have any problems on the palatal aspect of your restoration and later on i do layer the enamel shell enamel composite in order to prepare the palatal shell and i sometimes use sable brush with the modeling liquid so Uh, that makes your work more efficient. Have you ever seen Sehat on Facebook where some people are not using palatal stands, okay. but they even use buckle stands? Yeah, it is, it is possible to go completely freehand without any stands, without any impression. I do it. But it means that finally you need to work carefully on the palatal aspect, which means you need to work with the mirror. <laughs> I don't like to work with the mirror. Actually, I want to spend less time on the palatal part of the food that I restore. So I use palatal shell techniques. But as you said, on social media, on Facebook, you see lots of tons of cases and they all restore differently. Yes, sometimes I do restore using just Miler Street. It's possible to create something similar that you do with the silicon index. It's possible. But if you ask me, golden standard for that is the silicon index, like a putty, or you can also use exaclear. I don't know if, what does what is your opinion, Costas, about using exaclear for the. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's. Uh, I mean, the reason why I got into injection molding about five years ago was that in, in hospital where I teach, we do a lot of toothware cases. We were having the whole diagnostic phase, mouth design, wax up, mock up, and then we were not able to replicate that. So we were using a PVS a palatal stent, but um, for very severe cases, you have to do the palatal in two steps because if you're adding seven millimeters height, the composite at the bottom is not going to set. Mm. So uh, you introduce like the, the, the gingival half, then the coronal half of the palatal, mm -hmm. and then you do the buckle. So each step has to talk to the other one and you get some lines in between. So that is a small problem. Since I started working with the injection molding, we actually started using Exaclear to do the palatal silicon keys because you can add it like monolithic, one mm -hmm. big lump of composite, seven millimeters tall or even one centimeter tall, whatever, and still cure it in one go. Okay, if it's too deep, then you have the depth issues, but that's very rare. So that actual material, the Exaclear, is not unique for injection molding. It can be used for the stamp technique or, or what we just described. But uh, you know much more about this or how because you have mastered the art of the 
of the stamp neck technique on posteriors, which is very applicable to the average general dentist, like single tooth dentistry. Injection molding, the number one indication is erosion and erosive tooth wear on multiple teeth, lots of palatal surfaces, Mm. six, eight teeth. And instead of breaking your neck and going in there to do the kind of cingulum and the palatal cusp of the upper premolar, listen, I mean, this is hard, okay? So that's where injection molding comes and is, let's say, a winner. But I see what Serhat does with ExaClear and it's like, wow, man, this guy takes it to, to the next level. So... You use it a lot, Serhat. Tell us, how do you do this stamp technique on the posterior? Stamp technique on the posterior? It was actually last year that I tried first with the ExaClear. I just tried to copy the occlusal surface, of course, after having the rubber dam on the mouth. And then after the rubber dam isolation, you just wait, you know, the setting time of the ExaClear. It is five to seven minutes. And then you get the, you remove the silicone and then wait and do check if it's proper. You need to see the uh, impression you have, if it's covering all the occlusal surface or not. And you need to be careful about its margins. If they, it will be, if you you need to think about later on if it will be difficult to place with the to place the, on the prepared occlusal area because sometimes the exaclear stem is very large so you need to adjust i mean you need to trim the sides maybe using a blade so you need to shorten in some buckle or palatal parts, maybe the distal extension, in order, and you need to control all these extensions. And it is easy when you work with GC Equa. Equa is great material because it's bulk. You don't need to repeat some space, so you just inject directly without the stamp, and you put the stamp exactly stamp on and wait and then you remove that's it with the gc aqua the exactly is amazing but when you work with the resin composite then you need to be careful about polymerization shrinkage because you cannot completely fill the cavity in one increment so you need to be careful to eliminate the risk that it is always shrinking when you are using the composite. So when I work with the composite, I try to finish firstly distal part, then the mesial part, then the, like, I do not completely, I do not finish all restoration at once. So not only incrementing, but also superficially, I divide the work into two or three phases. So that is how I work. But if I work with glass enamel, like a GC Equa, then it's completely very simple. Only bulk material, single increment, and the work is amazing in class one, not on on class two, for sure. (laughs) I'm not using this technique for class two, just for class one. 
restorations. Actually, it's the first time I heard someone using Acura together with Exaclear. Yeah, <laughs> Same amazing. for me. Same for me. I'm learning something here. You know, Acura is very simple. It looks easy, but modeling the Acura, I mean, creating occlusal surface is difficult. You need to use burrs. You need to use some rubbers or the rotary instruments or you work with the stamp and then you're not worried about the final shape so that's so easy with the stamp technique i usually do use the stamp technique with like some flow or some liquid rubber dam and kind of a teflon which was which is a nice idea i, I mean i picked it up on style italiano But I found out that usually these flows are never as precise sometimes as I wanted it. Mm -hmm. yeah? And if what my experience are with Exaclear so far, it's actually that's super precise. Yeah. So probably depends how you how the angle of application is in the class one <laughs> filling. Actually, you need to be sure about the fit of the silicone before you start the next phase. Before you drill, you, you need to check the fit of the silicone. If you do not have the exact path of insertion, then finally you cannot place correctly. So you will have completely wrong occlusal surface. So I think the criteria is observing or testing the setting of the silicone stamp on the teeth before you start drilling. What do you think of? Yeah, I agree. And when I use the ExaClear in the injection molding, the difference is that I don't do it inside the mouth. I do it on a model, which means that I have the ability to put it in a hydro flask and then it fully polymerizes. Whenever I actually made an ExaClear without hydro flask, it was still giving the surface detail. It was not a problem, but it had lots of little air porosities. So I couldn't see through it that well. But when I take an exaclear in order to do posteriors, then I have to cut it a lot and I have to spend quite a lot of time to, to allow for the clamp. Whereas when you are doing an exaclear in the mouth, you have to cut it very little because you just did it. It already fit. So that's the reason why kind of I rely on the equator of the tooth for referencing. I cannot rely on soft tissue referencing. For that reason, I haven't found a way for, for injection molding to work with rubber dam. They, they are fighting against each other. They are like, ooh. It's, it's like two people in the same room who, who are like, uh, there's a lot of electricity. So, so I think that's a disadvantage for injection molding, let's be honest. And if at the front of the mouth, You get away with it. You put Teflons, you put retraction cords, you put kind of uh, Optra gates, and you say, well, it's all split dam or whatever. But at the back of the mouth, uh, we cannot do adhesive dentistry without isolation. It's like, forget about it. So the referencing is not as good. Whereas anteriorly, um, I've got excellent referencing but I'm losing the rubber dam. So that's a disadvantage. But actually, if I would use ExaClear in cases like you're doing, I for, for, for sure go for a split dam technique, if possible, of course, because that's kind of an okay isolation because what I'm always worried that the patient is closing the mouth at the wrong time. And that's why I like rubber dam. <laughs> 
Yes, true. Actually, if you think about it, the, the whole thing about isolation is about 45 seconds from the minute you etch until you hybridize. That is the critical moment. If there's blood and water before or blood and water after, who cares? But for that one minute, it needs to be super, super good. Now, yes, the split dam protects from the tongue and the lips, and it's a good alternative, at least for injection molding, absolutely. But we all know that the gold standard is the full dam, which which is a bonus for freehand. And, and also layering. I mean, Sir Hat is amazing at layering, whether it's a cord or essentia, just controlling the layers is, is very important. Okay, now with a new accord, have you found, Sir Hat, that you don't need that much layering or you still put a bit of AO2 or some kind of uh, yeah. dentin in the back? Yes, when it's a, a class 4 case, a fractured central incisor, for example, when more than incisal one-third is involved in the within this fracture, then I usually use an opaque shade like AO1 or AO2 palatally in order to increase the opacity of total restoration. So otherwise, everything will look gray. So yep. whenever I'm using genial series like the previous one, original genial and the new one, the Accord, I'm always using opaque shades if I have a large, uh, I mean, longer uh, restoration, longer uh, fracture in the incisal part of the, I mean, if half of the tooth of a, of a central incisor is fractured, for sure I'm using, but if the fracture is only in the incisal one third, yes, there is no need for opaque shades. And about uh, your idea not to use all shades, just single shade with like A1 or A2 shades, for single restoration without layering, yeah, I think it's possible. But uh, you need to. There is always a compromise when you use a single shape. Like you don't have the translucent incisal edge. So this is correct. This is up to the dentist. If you ask the uh, patients, they do not differentiate whether with the enamel or without because they do not understand. They do not know. Only we can see with the magnified pictures. <laughs> but I know some people who are doing dentistry in UK, they are using single shades without animal, and they are saying edge bonding after alignment. It's very popular in UK. What do you think costs us using single shades without enamel? It is, it is, because a lot of people in this country, in the UK, Yes, they will move the teeth, then they will bleach the teeth, and then they will do very small additions, which has its limitation because volume of composite, surface area, and it has to be a pretty opaque single shade because if we take a Vita one or an enamel one, it's going to look grey. I mean, okay. we have all done that. So it, it works in high-value cases because you bleach the teeth, they are B1 plus, so you take a dentin shade, mm. you put it on the incisal edge, and the whole tooth is super dense, super opaque anyway. So you get away with it. But um, mm -hmm. if you use a conventional 
Vita-based system, it's going to look great. But for the high-value cases, it, it actually does work. Now, for the monolithic, like monoshade kind of injectable cases that I do, the A1s and the A2s are going to be a bit more glassy and they're going to show the line, if you will. We all know what I mean by the line. Whereas the B1 and the BW or the XBW, if you're that they, crazy. If you, you mean they are that, opaque, huh? They're opaque and they block mm -hmm. things out. How much thickness do they need? They don't need a lot. They need about half a millimeter or seven-tenths of a millimeter bacolingually. They block out that line. So whenever you're going on the high-value cases, you have an advantage. But when you're going for your toothwear patient who is not aesthetically driven, that's where I, the AO2 comes out. Mm -hmm. So I still do injection molding, but I will do a little bit of freehand AO2 looking at the wax-up so that I don't go beyond the wax-up, otherwise my stent won't sit. So I will block out the, the glassy edges with a bit of AO2, give that density, and then the A1 genial injectable will come on top. Because if it was only going to be A1 or A2, it's a more glassy material. It, it's, we all understand that. In this case, you're using the AO1, AO2 freehand before you inject. Yes. Okay. Correct. May, this is maybe called semi-injection technique. Huh? It's called semi, <laughs> semi direct. <laughs> it's called it's called cheating. <laughs> But we learn from our mistakes. I mean, that's yeah. every person who does composites has done all the mistakes in the world. So you're saying to yourself, okay, next time let's not do that. So the AO2 is an amazing material. Last year, when AO1 came out. I think it was quite recent that AO1 came out. I'm not sure if it was available before. It was available in in the past series of the GC Genial. You could get AO1 and AO2. Maybe on the injectable it wasn't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I missed it. For the the AO2 is super valuable. It's it's like always there as your backup because uh, you need to block things out and. Uh, That opaque dentin is amazing. It's an interesting direction where it's going now. <laughs> <laughs> Once I tried injection molding technique on a very young patient, something like six or five years in age, with a pediatric dentist friend of mine in her clinic, we tried this technique with monoshade layering. And as Costa said, we had a problem like we it was not possibly to block the margin without by using monoshade so later we thought that our mistake was not to place an opaque shade on the margin as costa as mentioned now and if we had tried that ao1 or ao2 there just to block the margin so we could not have in that case a demarcation line so I agree, totally agree with Costa. Using this AO1 or A2, AO2 could possibly increase the quality of the restoration. I think it will improve the aesthetics. It it helps a lot. I mean, especially for normal value cases, A3s, A2s, A1s, uh, for high value, 
it's easy. You get away with anything. You, you, you can use MD from Essentia and it's going to look perfect on the incisor ledge because it's such a high value case. But uh, mm-hmm. basically with this AO2 business, you make the tooth a little bit longer by adding a bit of AO2 and then you rely on, on the facial addition. So my nurse always gets the AO2 out. It's, it's like on standby waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's not true injection molding monoshade, but uh, you kind of, uh, that's why I, I think injection molding is like driving an automatic car. You, you, you have to know how to drive manual. And if you are uh, lazy like me, you can buy an automatic car, but the, the license is going to be manual. And uh, <laughs> it, it takes 20 years at least for me, Serhat probably, he was born with uh, the skills. Um, but it took me 20 years to learn the freehand skills. Uh, and, and now I don't use them. I go injection mode. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of nice closing <laughs> words with the driver's license. <laughs> Actually, you two guys are really great. I'm, I think the lecture you're doing will be a lot of fun. <laughs> Serhat, at the end, one little surprise I promised you. Ooh. You did a podcast with the Dental Hacks podcast in 2015. Yes. And because I kind of followed you, I always, I kind of listened to your podcast. It was really interesting. I will put it, put it in the show now. It's about how you evolved, became a dentist, went to the army and everything. <laughs> But the f- funny thing is actually that this, this was my first time when I actually listened to any dental podcast. And I kind of started listening to dental podcasts so much that I started even my own. So it's actually kind of your fault <laughs> that we are now on the podcast. It's kind of cool that such a small dental world and with your inspiring cases, even a dental podcast uh, came into place. That podcast was recorded for the American dentist, you know, Dental Town. Yeah, they are a group of dentists in North America, especially on, in the United States. They asked me to be involved in that podcast with an UK dentist, uh, Andrew Chandrapal, and Arthur Volker. He's a good friend of mine. He's very active in New York and United States, and we did it together at the, uh, in 2015. So. It's interesting that you listen to my podcast. Oh, very interesting. I, well, we'll never go away. Okay. That makes you feel better now, Serhat. You inspire the world of podcasts. What do you remember? When did you listen to my podcast? What do you remember? It was 2015, actually, yeah. I listened to your podcast. You still remember? Uh, because, I mean, I don't remember all of it but uh, some details and i also remember that it was with arthur Volker because he posted it on facebook mm-hmm. it was like wow a podcast with serhat i mean it was the times where you had your mm-hmm. true key study club and you had didn't have a website for it nobody knew what it was in europe actually <laughs> but it was interesting time back when there was no dental instagram now we have even dental instagram <laughs> and you're Yeah. And you're kind of, it's interesting. A lot of people who are, were, were kind of successful in dental Facebook never made the switch to dental Instagram, but you're one of the rare guys who kind of made the step to dental Instagram as well. I think the Instagram is very active in my region, in Istanbul and Turkey and like neighboring countries. It's very active. I don't know 
if it's that popular in UK, I don't know. Are they? It is very. It is. If you if you're not there, nobody. Okay, nobody counts on you. It's, it's like um, it's almost like a must to have a presence, even if you're not that active, just to be there for people to find you. Because if uh, a patient, a customer doesn't see you there, they're going to think, "Ooh, something's wrong with them." So it, it kind of has a strong effect. It has a strong effect, especially in new generation, in young dentists. Uh, oh yes, young... of course, of course. <laughs> Needless to say, that. they they do not follow Facebook. They think only people over 45 or 50 are just following Facebook, <laughs> including me. Yeah, I'm almost 47. But uh, I switch completely, not completely, but let's say I'm not posting so often on Facebook. I love posting on Instagram because it's very simple. It's a new style and it's very popular. And you have good contact with the others, especially with the dental friends or you can use instagram differently like marketing your business but i don't do instagram in that way i prefer to have contact with my dental friends but uh, it's really versatile i mean uh, you can create a, a different kind of marketing your business on instagram True. What yes. do you think? Yeah, but yeah, actually, I mean, in Germany, it's not that popular yet for from the patient point of view, I think. But it's getting a lot of tension that you kind of uh, kind of interact with your local neighborhoods, trying to be recognized. And there are some dental accounts who are like more like dental mindset accounts, not really clinical. They don't post a lot of clinical things, just as mindset things. I personally don't like that. That how dentists dentists are talking about how to be successful, because I always want to see if I would like their cases, and then they can tell me how they <laughs> be successful. But that's i mean actually costas has kind of the right balance <laughs> it's like kind of for patients you can kind of see that the content is great it's, it's i i know i mean my i'm aiming to target exclusively patients but it's like um, an addiction that oh you i can't resist and just put, put a little bit of a deep margin elevation. It's like the patient is like, what, what is deep margin? So uh, because we speak the same language, we, we love what we do, we're passionate, we, we, we have WhatsApp groups, we have Facebook groups, we have this. So even if the strategy is for patients only, you kind of go to the right and the left all the time. Yeah, it's the new, it's the, that's how things are these days. Podcasts and Instagram. But uh, <laughs> I, hope, I hope today was... Fun uh, to be continued on stage end of November. I will look forward for this lecture. Okay, guys. Thank you for joining me on your Friday night. Thank you that you two made it possible. It's really a pleasure to talk to you and see you uh, in person soon again. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Hope.